Good morning, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Skywatcher What's Up webcast. We do this every Friday, 10 a.m. Pacific, right here at the Skywatcher USA YouTube channel. We check out everything from what's up in the nighttime sky to equipment to helpful tips and tricks on imaging and observing. And of course, at the end of the month, we have a special guest on to talk about their specialty and the field of astronomy. So thanks for joining us wherever you are in the world, whether you're watching it live right now or you're watching this after it's already uh, aired. Um, all the What's Up webcast episodes are recorded, so you can go back at any time and check out any of the content that we have here on our channel. Uh, if you like what you see here, go ahead and subscribe. Uh, it lets us know we're doing a good job. Um, and yeah, so we're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, today on the What's Up webcast, we're actually going to be talking about our AZ-EQ series of mounts. That's the AZ-EQ5 and the AZ-EQ6. Um, I will let you know right now, I'm probably going to be iterating and elaborating on a lot of the stuff here. So that's where we'll probably go into details about the series of mounts. Uh, but hopefully you have a good time with that. If you have any questions, go ahead and throw them in the chat. We appreciate it. We'll get to them as soon as we can. Um, like I said earlier, if you like what you see here on the What's Up webcast, please go ahead and subscribe. Let us know we're doing a good job. Leave a like on a video. Um, and if you have an idea for a future episode, go ahead and email us at info at skywatcherusa.com and title it What's Up. Um, now, just to follow up on last week's episode, we are doing the totem patches. Um, this is our target of the month imaging challenge. That is the soap bubble nebula for uh, this year. So, or, I'm sorry, this month. Um, so if you want details, we are going to be putting up a web page uh, for the totem uh, targets. Um, but good luck to all of you there. Um, another thing I want to just discuss real quick that I mentioned last week. Um, the Sol event, um, which is a solar observing um, event taking place here in Phoenix, Arizona on October 22nd. Um, from last week, we did have some people sign up and ask for some um, additions to it. So just so everyone knows, if you're interested in attending this, this is October 22nd in Phoenix, Arizona at the Challenger Space Center. Um, it's an all-day event where we talk everything solar astronomy, so you can check out all types of different filters. Um, we'll have talks. Uh, but we have added a, a star party event for the evening. So if you want to come back or you want to uh, come out, uh, we will be doing that. Um, I'll have the 28-inch uh, Dobsonian out there. I believe Star Arizona is going to come hang out with us and do some Hyperstar demos as well as a bunch of other um, attendees there. So all the information's there on the website. Um, we're also currently, as of now, are being joined by Mount Lemon Sky Center Skywatcher and Los Mondi um, will be joining us. Uh, Star Arizona will also be uh, joining us, and we're working on getting several others uh, locked in right now. But just wanted to give a quick little update on the Soul event if you have any information or curious about attending that. So anyway, uh, that's that. That's focusastro.org slash soul uh, if you want to know uh, more about this event. So we'll see you then. Um, all right, so let's get to it. Um, so today we're talking about the AZ-EQ series of mounts. And right now we have two in this family, um, the AZ-EQ5 and the AZ-EQ6. Now, what's interesting about these mounts is they are very multi-role. Um, they can do Altaz or Equatorial. So it really gives you a really unique platform to do all kinds of astronomy activities, I guess, from uh, visual to imaging um, and everything in between. 
um, as well. And I'm going to elaborate more on these as we move forward. Um, but what's kind of neat about these is they're they're kind of a platform that you can actually grow into. Um, I've had a lot of people in the past who have um, gotten into astronomy. Maybe you got like a Dobsonian or a more affordable Alt-As telescope and you want to get into astrophotography. Nine times out of ten, that's the conversation is, hey, I've been doing this for six months. Hey, I've been doing this for a year. I want to start taking pictures with my telescope. And a lot of times as a beginner, you went with something that was, you know, easy and convenient and who wouldn't. Um, but that doesn't always translate well into the world of astrophotography where generally an equatorial mount is what you're going to want. So having a mount that does Altaz and equatorial all in one is a pretty unique feature that gives you a platform that you can grow into the hobby um, and you have a mount that's going to support all of what you're trying to do. Um, some of the basic features of these, they both have a belt drive system on there on the right ascension and the declination. And they have Freedom Find, which is an encoder assembly that's in there that allows you to kind of move the mount manually without losing alignment. I don't want to go into too many details ahead of myself, um, but we'll get into the, the nitty gritty of all of that. Um, and then, of course, they have the dual AZ mode where you're able to mount multiple telescopes in Altaz mode, which is kind of a unique feature. So um, that's kind of what we're going to be checking out today. If you have any questions in particular of the mounts, go ahead and write that in the chat. I will try to answer that as best I can. Um, but let's get into some of the specifications about this. So the... Um, AZEQ6 series has uh, two um, samples inside of it. Um, there's the AZEQ5 and the AZEQ6. The AZEQ5, the weights that you're seeing up here are assembled with the included hardware that comes with the mount. Um, the AZEQ5 is 44 pounds. Uh, that includes the two counterweights that come with it. Those are seven and a half pound counterweights. And the AZEQ6 is 73 pounds with the two 11 pound counterweights. Um, that are on it and I'm gonna do something I don't normally like to do but I really wanted to get have this for this episode and I forgot to go grab it so I'm gonna put you guys on the main screen for just a second and I'm gonna go run and grab something real quick so bear with me five seconds be right back
All right, sorry about that. And of course, the one thing that I wanted, I don't know where I put now. So whatever. So never mind. We'll just press forward. Sorry about that. Um, anyway, so talk about the AZ EQ6. Didn't mean to run off there. There was something I was looking to show you, and I it drive me nuts now. Uh, so we have two versions. We have the AZ EQ5 and the AZ EQ6. AZ EQ5 fully set up with the tripod and the two counterweights is 44 pounds. And the AZ EQ6 fully set up with its tripod and its two counterweights is 73 pounds. You're not going to usually lift all of this at once. Um, but the mount head for the AZ EQ5 is fairly lightweight. Um, so you're actually, that's probably the biggest thing on any one of these that you're actually going to end up lifting if you're going to break these apart for travel purposes. Um, you want to make sure that you break the mount away from the tripod because it just gets to be too much. So the mount head for an AZ EQ5, you're only looking at like 17 pounds uh, for that. Um, and then the tripod's only like 13 or 14 pounds. So it's fairly lightweight for the AZ EQ5. And then the AZ EQ6, it is a bit heavier, but you're also paying um, for that stability. The AZ EQ6 mount head, which is the heaviest part that you're going to uh, end up lifting, is 34 pounds. And the tripod is about 17 pounds. So um, the heaviest component you're going to be working with when it comes to like an AZ EQ6 is that mount head at 34 pounds. But the nice thing about it, as you go bigger, the weight capacity is also going to increase because you're getting that rigidity. So on an AZ EQ5, you're looking about 30 pounds per side. Um, like I said, it does Altaz, and you can do two saddles at once. So you're looking at about 30 pounds per side on an AZ EQ5. That is its max payload capacity. Um, and I want to elaborate more on that a little bit later uh, down the line um, when we talk about what you can put on this. Is There's a lot of questions out there about you know, what can I put on here and how much weight does it hold? There's some nitty gritty. I would like to get into that um, here shortly. The AZEQ6 is going to be 44 pounds per side. So you have quite a bit of room to work with on an AZEQ6. And it makes it a very versatile system um, to work with because of that weight capacity. So some other specifications and kind of some neat features. And this is where we're probably going to take some of the time kind of chewing through the features on it. Um, and this is where we're going to break it down. The first one is the slip clutch design. Now, if you've seen similar mounts like the EQ6R or our HEQ5 or EQM35 or anything like that, all of those have like a lever clutch. Um, and most mounts that are on the market are fairly similar um, as well, where it's, you know, a lever, you tighten it down, and that engages the gearing. Um, the AZ EQ5 and the AZ EQ6 have a slip clutch design. Um, and you can find that for the AZ EQ5, it's right here. They're the black clutch assemblies um, one here on the deck and one on the back of the right ascension. Um, you can actually tighten those down to where they press on the bearing assemblies. Um, and obviously that engages the whole clutch assembly so the mount can then move and track the nighttime sky. Um, on the EQ6R, or I'm sorry, the AZ EQ6, um, it's the same positions. There's a lever on the back of the right ascension. And then there's a kind of a, a lever collar assembly there on the deck assembly. 
and you can actually tighten those down just enough to where it engages the motors but if you ever wanted to move that manually you could actually let that uh, you could just pull it and it slips um, so you can actually adjust the tension for how much uh, pressure you want applied to the clutch and so the motors are always moving but you could manually move that around if you wanted to. So that's kind of a cool thing about the AZEQ series is they do have that slip clutch design. There's not a lever lock. Um, so with enough force, you can actually move these if needed. And we'll go into another addition to that here in a, in a little bit. Now the AZEQ6s, um, actually all of our major mounts use metal gearing. Um, I believe on the... AZEQ5, it's an aluminum gear on the main gears. I, I need to go double check. On the AZEQ6, as you're using brass gearing, which is pretty much similar across all the AZEQ6, all the EQ6 series um, from the EQ, original EQ6, the EQ6R, AZEQ6, all of them use brass gearing uh, for those and stainless steel worms. Um, just a bigger mount. We're able to get bigger, better materials in there. Um, they also use uh, these big, big um, needle bearings. I was actually trying to find my gear. I have one of these laying around, and I saw it yesterday, and I swear I was ready. I had it set somewhere, but it whatever. Um, but we also use these pretty good size uh, needle bearings inside of these mounts um, as well, so they're pretty rigid um and allow for real smooth um tracking and all of that so uh but that's kind of a cool uh, feature about the az eq um, 6 at least the az eq 5 it's a very similar assembly um but obviously it's a smaller mount so we can't use the larger uh, gearing in there as well Now, what I was uh, mentioning earlier when it comes to the slip clutch on these mounts is you can actually grab the mount, move it around um, with that slip clutch. And the reason why that design is important is because of the next feature, which is called Freedom Find. Now, Freedom Find is a fairly unique feature to a handful of mounts in the Skywatcher lineup. All of our go-to DOBs, um, the AZ-EQ series, the AZ-GTI, um, our new Virtuoso GTIs have it. Basically what's going on is there are two sets of encoders inside of the mounts. Um, and when we're talking about the AZEQ series in particular, the we use stepper motors. So a stepper motor does not use an encoder wheel like a servo motor would, which is kind of nice because on a servo motor, if you have one of those encoder wheels, I've seen those break over time. They're normally plastic. Over time, they dry out, and then they're cracked, and you have to replace the encoder wheel. Um, on a stepper motor, the motor is literally reading how many steps are going on inside of it. Um, so you don't have to worry about that encoder wheel. Another advantage of a stepper motor is they have a lot of torque. Um, so they, these mounts do require probably a little bit more power than some other mounts, but they do have some pretty good torque on them. Um, and lastly, another big advantage of using the stepper motors is there is no internal gearbox like a servo motor. So some mounts on the market do use servo motors. Every time you have a gear 
engaging. I'm sorry. I don't. Why are you all staring at my face? There we go. Um, every time you have a gear mesh in a mount, there, there, right there is room for backlash to occur. And inside of a servo motor, you have several very small gears all meshing together in the gearbox. Um, so you can get backlash in the gearbox, and then you can get backlash in the gearing inside the mount where everything's like meshing together whether you have gears going from the motor um, up to the worm all those every time you have a gear mesh that's room for backlash now what's very cool about the azeq's mount uh, series is we only have one gear meshing and that is where the worm meets the main ring gear that's there's the right ascension and then there's the declination those are the only spots in the mount where there are gear teeth meshing with each other um, because we use belt drive which we'll be talking about here in a minute um, but the only way you can get backlash in these mounts is through the main worm and the ring gear that's the only place that can exist in the mount which is kind of nice so now with freedom find I don't know why I went off on this tangent with all the gears and stuff like that. But anyway, with the clutch assembly allowing it to slip, um, one of the major problems that happens that you might find on any other mount is if you were to accidentally bump the mount or if you're accidentally loosen the clutch and it moves, you've just lost your entire alignment um, and you have to realign the whole go-to system. Freedom Find is an additional set of encoders on each axis of the mount. So what's actually happening is while your motors are, oh, this is why we were talking about it. While the stepper motors are moving normally and tracking, and um, that's usually where your go-to readings are coming from, they're counting all the steps, there's an extra set of encoders in the mounts that are also keeping track of the mount's position. So if you happen to move the mount or disengage the clutches and move it around, you do not lose the alignment because the second set of encoders known as Freedom Find are also keeping track. So you can slew your mount all over the place, anywhere you want. And then if it's like, hey, I know where this galaxy is and rather than waiting for it to slew, let's just disengage the clutches and manually move it over there and then lock it down again. Your mount will go right back to tracking, but the mount will also know exactly where it's positioned. You didn't lose the alignment. So that's kind of a unique feature of some of our uh, telescopes that feature the freedom find capability. So what's kind of cool on this is because they're out as mounts, it actually works in equatorial or out as, but let's say you're doing visual work and you really want the tracking capability but maybe you're not super set on having go-to. Um, imagine having like a telescope that has digital setting circles on it, but now we've also incorporated motors and tracking. So you can very easily just pan the mount around as long as you've done the initial alignment and find whatever you want. And then if you want to slew to something else, the mount knows where it is. Um, a friend of mine, his name is Alan. We've had him on the show before. The picture that you see here on the screen, this is his AZ-EQ6. Uh, he's got, got it upgraded on one of the Burlabach tripods, um, which is a very nice tripod. Um, this actually works on the EQ6R as well. Um, and this mount combo actually easily holds his Tech 160 fluorite, um, which you see right there. Um, 
pretty solidly and he can just manually with those slip clutches he can just manually push it around to wherever he wants and once you let go the mount starts tracking again so it makes it very easy and convenient if you're looking for something like an Altaz mount that holds a decent amount of weight but can also track um, that's kind of a big issue with some of the Altaz mounts on the market nowadays is most of the time if you need something convenient like an Altaz mount it doesn't have tracking on it and if it is an Altaz it doesn't have a lot of weight capacity so you're limited on small scopes where the AZ EQ6 and the 5 as well um, can hold a fair amount of weight but also gives you that tracking capability of them uh, as well so that's kind of a cool feature um, on these mounts and for the record if you are doing like astrophotography and you want the most accurate pointing for imaging purposes i do recommend shutting the freedom find off that way the electronic system isn't getting two readings from different encoders you can easily go into the SynScan hand controller or the app whatever you're using and you can shut the freedom find off and then it gives full uh readouts from just the encoders um from just the stepper motor readouts it's not actually blending all the information together so you can go in i think it's under setup or utilities and you look for aux encoders and you turn those off so um, another thing on here is the usb control um, early models of the az eq6 did not have the usb built in but now all the modern day ones do um, that's because they're using the new mc15 board which is found on a lot of the other mounts the eq8r rh uh, eq6r um and then the az eq5 has also had um, a usb b control is actually one of the first ones to have the usb control but with this you can easily do firmware updates on the motor control you can run it off of your pc with the SynScan windows uh SynScan pro windows app if you need but that's all there for easy uh connection and updates let's see there's a question can you please describe how the field rotation can still be avoided and Altaz mode if uh, arc second level accuracy from Pegasus okay so if you're I'm gonna wait on that because we're gonna talk about astrophotography I can siphon that into that uh, portion there um, uh, there's another question here uh, the yes on the counterweight bars on both of these mounts they actually retract up into the mount head um, so if you buy one of these mounts I've had this happen before on our mounts before um people get them they'll call them be like the counterweight bar isn't in the box well it is because it's permanently attached to the mount um the counterweight bars on both of these mounts retract inside the mount head for transport um that way your bar is always with you and it never gets lost and then of course if you need to mount the secondary saddle which we'll talk about here soon that mounts to the counterweight bar so the both of these mounts do have the retractable counterweight bar um, they also each one comes with a uh, counterweight bar extender in the box as well that's unique to each mount um, like i said before belt drive uh, both of these mounts use belt drive um, belt drive means there is literally like a timing belt that sits between the motor pulley and the worm pulley normally on mounts uh, you would find the let me show you here so right here is the motor um, on the AZQ5 here's the motor and its pulley and here's the worm and its pulley normally on other mounts there would be a gear a step gear um, that would be uh, meshed onto the worm gear onto the I'm sorry onto the motor uh, pulley 
there'd be a gear here, then there'd be a gear in the middle, and then that would then mesh onto the worm's uh, spur gear is what they're called. Here we've eliminated all that gear meshing and just used a belt. Now the advantage of the belt is there's no backlash usually in a belt system. Um, no gear meshing is occurring there, it's just the belt. So again, the only major gear mesh or any backlash issue you can get on these mounts is usually sitting on the main worm and the main ring gear on the right ascension or deck. That's all the backlash generally comes from because there's no, there's no uh, gearbox in the motor and there are no additional spur gears in the mount for you to have all these different points of contact of gear meshing. There's only one point of gear meshing on these mounts on each axis. So very clean and easy to work on system. Uh, like I said before, these also in Altaz mode can do dual uh, scope setups. So we do include an additional saddle with these mounts. When you get them out of the box, they will come with a saddle um, that mates to the counterweight bar. So you would take the toe saver off the end of the bar. There's the saddle slides on. There is a flat surface machined on the end of the counterweight bar that's mated into the mount that retracts. Um, there's a reference screw that on the new secondary saddle that tightens down so it keeps it registered. Um, and then there's also uh, elevation adjustments to line the scopes up to some, to some point. Um, and then you can easily mount two different telescopes um, on these mounts, both on the AZ-EQ5, which you see here on the right, and the AZ-EQ6 um, on the left. Uh, so that makes for a very convenient uh, outreach setup. Maybe you're doing solar with a couple things. Maybe you've got like this one over here. We have a short focal length Newtonian and a longer focal length matte cast, you know, two for one deal, uh, basically. So that's, that's really helpful. Um, on this one right here, they are actually streaming a live image of the moon on the white refractor here while doing visual on the uh, Evo Star 120 in the back. Um, so there's a lot of different things you can actually do um, for that. Uh, there's a question there. They, the secondary saddle does have some minor adjustments um, to actually move the tubes the one tube up and down. If you're looking for left right pivot, um, we don't have that on there. You could use like guide rings if it's a small refractor or an APM um, max guider if you want full control, but there is up down movement if you need to align the two to some extent, which can be helpful if you have a wide field system and a long focal length system. Generally, you can get the wider field ones to generally line up with the longer focal length one um, with those adjustment screws if you need to. But there are there is some point of micro adjustment for the secondary saddle if needed. And that's true for the AZ-EQ6 as well as the AZ-EQ5. But these are very convenient little systems right there if, if you want to have uh, dual tubes. And that's kind of a cool thing to have at a star party or um, if you're doing some visual work, it gives you a very different experience. As far as saddles go, um, on the AZ-EQ5, it's a standard V-style uh, uh, saddle. On the EQ6, I'm sorry, the AZ-EQ6, we do have the dual DV saddles. Um, they are, the AZ-EQ6 has a compression saddle, so we're not using the screws here that dig into the plate. Um, we're actually using like a clamp style. 
and uh, it doesn't scuff up your plate um, as much there. But um, this is true for both saddles that come with each mount. So on an AZ EQ5, you're getting two V styles. On an AZ EQ6, you're getting two saddles that are DV uh, saddles. So the larger mount can handle the bigger plates, like the Los Mondi style, as well as the thinner dovetail plates. Um, so that's kind of a cool feature on the AZ EQ6. Um, the EQ, the AZ EQ5 really doesn't need that. It'd be kind of cool if it did. Maybe one day we'll do it, but um, it doesn't need that at the moment um, because it's really intended for lighter weight uh, systems there. But uh, polar scopes, um, it's a little different on each mount. So the AZ EQ5, there's no room to put a polar scope in the middle axis of the mount on the right ascension. So we have a uh, off axis optional one if you need to um i honestly don't see a lot of people using the az eq5 polar scope um it does thread on to the side of the mount there's a little bracket there that has a bubble level on it when you get it that comes off with some thumb screws this goes on what i've seen a lot of people end up doing instead is they just get the adapter for like a pole master and they mount that on there if they're going to be doing astrophotography the pole master does a very nice job for polar alignment or you can use the digital polar alignment that's actually in the SynScan software on the hand controller. So you do like a one or two star alignment and then you can go back and actually do the adjustment using the hand controller if you want to get more on uh, point for the for polar alignment if you're using these for equatorial mode. But we do have an AZ EQ5 polar scope if you need to, um, but it is an optional uh, accessory. The AZ EQ6, however, there's more room inside of there. So there is a polar scope built into the right ascension axis. And it also does have an illuminator built into it, which can be controlled by the, the hand controller or the SynScan app. However, you're running your mount, um, you can turn the illuminator on and off. These polar scopes for the AZ EQ6 are pre-aligned from the factory. So you shouldn't have to collimate the uh, reticle that's inside of the polar scope. Uh, you should just be able to open up and go right to town. Uh, if you feel the need to, you can get an adapter for the front of the mount for like a pole master. If you don't want to use the polar scope, there are uh, digital polar scopes that are available uh, third party so that you could use on the AZ EQ6 as well. But the AZ EQ6 has enough room inside of it to allow us to incorporate our standard polar scope in there. Where the five, there's just not enough room with the clutch design and everything that's in there. Uh each one has a pure extension if you need to. Um, the AZ EQ5's pure extension is very, very unique to the AZ EQ5 tripod. Um, the AZ EQ5 uses a, a very interesting kind of lightweight pure tripod. I'm going to try to bring this up real quick. Um, and the, the advantage of this particular tripod design, here it is right here, um, you can see we use like a, a kind of a pier tripod with this low uh, kind of tripod. It's the only one that has this tripod. Um, this this particular tripod is not really sold separately um, if you're looking for it. Um, you can use an HEQ5 head on here if you wanted to. Uh, an EQM35 could mount to this tripod if you needed to, if you found one on the used market. 
um, but it is a fairly short tripod. So if you need to go higher, we do make a specific AZ EQ5 tripod pure extension, which is this one. Um, this will not work on a standard HEQ5 tripod. This is exclusive to the AZ EQ5 because um, the design is completely different. So just be aware, I've had people mix that up before, but the AZ EQ5 pure extension will only work on the AZ EQ5 tripod. The AZ-EQ6 pure extension, however, is pretty standard. This one works on the original EQ6, the EQ6R, the AZ-EQ6. I think it even works on like the C-Gems from Celestron if you need one. Um, but that pure extension is uh, an optional thing that you can get, but it works on the entire EQ6 family um, because the tripod and the bottom of the uh, mounts are very much the same where because of the tripod on the AZ EQ5, that's more unique to just that tripod. So just be aware if you're gonna be getting a pure extension that which ones are going to work for you. But the AZ EQ6, the pure extension for that works on the whole EQ6 series. So it's a lot more universal at that point. Now let's talk visual considerations with these mounts. So number one, the AZ EQ5, this is really ideal for uh, telescopes under 30 pounds. The max payload for the AZ EQ5 is 30 pounds per side um, for visual work. Um, so ideally, I would probably say eight inch Schmidt Cassegrains, five inch refractors, maybe some six inch Newtonians, something like that. Um, is a good match for the AZ EQ5. Um, it's a fairly small, fairly lightweight mount. Uh, so you want to make sure you know that and make sure that that's going to work for you. I find people who get the AZ EQ5, they're really getting it for one reason or another, normally because it's lighter weight. It is not a heavy duty, high capacity mount. Um, it's it's fairly rigid, but it really is not intended for large telescopes. So that's something to consider if you're looking for a mount. The AZ-EQ5 I feel is, I wouldn't say limited, but it is really intended for smaller telescopes. Um, probably an eight inch Cassegrain being the largest that I would recommend putting on there. Um, it's perfect for small solar telescopes. If you're looking to do like outreach and you want to run two different telescopes, you've got maybe like a little matte cast, like a six inch matte cast or an eight inch cast grain and maybe a small little refractor to go along with it. No problem. Maybe you want to do like a 60, 80 or 100 millimeter solar telescope and a white light telescope in Altaz mode. Perfect for that. You could also run this in equatorial mode normally no big deal um, but again on an AZ EQ5 I would probably say you're looking at an 8 inch Schmidt Cassegrain is the largest telescope that you're really gonna want to put on it maybe a 5 inch refractor um, and a 6 inch Newtonian depending on the weight class but I would really pay attention if you're looking to get one of these really think about which one's gonna work for you um, if weight is a limitation you don't want to hold a lot of stuff an AZ-EQ5 might be great. If not, I would really look at the AZ-EQ6. The AZ-EQ6 is really ideal for most of the moderate telescopes on the market because it has that 44-pound payload capacity. And now, visually, we're talking like 11-inch Schmidt-Cassegrains, 6-inch refractors, 10-inch Newtonians. 
Um, larger solar telescopes. I know Lunt Solar Systems has two of these mounts and they use them at shows all the time. They throw all kinds of stuff on these mounts. Um, I find most people end up going with the AZ EQ6 because it's not, it is a bit more than the smaller five. But because you're getting that larger payload capacity and rigidity, it really unlocks the door for most of the moderate telescopes that are out on the market. And for what most people have, an AZ EQ6 is more than enough mount visually to handle that. And it really makes for a very nice, um, convenient system to do visual work. Um, like I said, a friend of mine has a Tech 160 Fluorite on it. It rides perfectly fine on there. We've had our Esprit 150s on there. Um, we've had an Esprit 150 and a 120 on these mounts at the same time. Um, but I find for most people, the AZ EQ6 is probably the, the model you're going to want to be looking at because it gives you the most flexibility. The AZ EQ5 would be for those who need a lighter weight mount to where it doesn't weigh much, but you're also not having the, the payload capacity or the rigidity of the larger model. So the two models really complement each other. It just depends on what exactly you're looking to do with it. But really, if you're doing this for visual, pay very close attention to what telescopes you plan on using it with. So hopefully this breakdown here kind of helps with that. Imaging. Um, so the AZ EQ5, I would really say try to keep your setup under 20 pounds. Um, this is really intended for small refractors and telescopes with like fast optics. Um, I would probably recommend keeping it under 600 millimeters or shorter for focal lengths on imaging. Um, really, when you're looking at astrophotography mounts, I know the payload is there, but another thing you really want to pay attention to, and it's not really covered very much, is the focal length of your telescope. It's the smaller the gear is, the smaller the main gear is on your mount, the harder it is to handle longer focal lengths because you're having to deal with the moment arm or how long that telescope is spread out. So your telescope may be, you know, under the payload limit, but if the weight is spread out, that's more work on the moment arm for the mount to actually move. It requires more torque. So just because your mount says it can handle up to 30 pounds, that doesn't mean you run up and throw 30 pounds on it. You really need to have something that's going to complement what system you're doing. So on the AZ EQ5, this is really, in my opinion, made for the smaller refractors out there. 600 millimeters, maybe going to 800, depending on what you're doing. Try to keep it lightweight, but you want to pay attention because it's not just the telescope. You have the telescope and the guider and your camera. Um, but yeah, that's uh, something to consider there. Now on an AZ EQ6, again, you're getting that bigger gear at that point. It's a lot easier to make a accurate gear the larger you go. Um, it's a lot harder to make a smaller gear that's very accurate. So... On um, the AZ EQ6 with that larger gear, it's like three, three and a half inches in diameter, um, is a little bit more ideal for larger refractors, probably up to five inch and smaller. Um, you could probably put a C8 on here if you're going to be running it with a reducer or a hyperstar or something like that. 
Um, an AZ EQ6 would be awesome for like a Rasa 8 um, or any of our Quattros, probably 10 inch and down you could get away with. Um, the 8 inch and down would be perfect. Um, but that's something to uh, think about. I would probably recommend keeping it under a thousand millimeters for an AZ EQ6. And this is what I was trying to talk about earlier, where focal length is an important factor to consider with mounts. Um, a lot of people end up buying something like an EQ6R, an AZ EQ6, something in this 40 pound capacity mount world. Um, and they end up putting like these small RC6, RC8, maybe you're shooting a, a Schmidt Cassegrain 8 inch with a reducer. Once you start getting to telescopes that I would say are above 1200, even better, 1500 and higher, if you're looking in that 40 pound capacity region, I would really probably recommend you go to something bigger, um, mainly because you want that larger gear to provide better tracking for longer focal length. While the AZ EQ6 and similar mounts are fairly hefty for what they are, in all truth and honesty, they're really designed for the smaller refractors um, and modest imaging Newtonians and stuff like that. Um, when you're talking long focal length astrophotography, you really need a mount that's going to complement that longer focal length and provide you the tracking accuracy that you need. And when we're talking about a thousand millimeter plus, you really should be looking at a mount that's probably a step above what you think it's going to be. Um, so that's uh, something that you probably want to consider if you're going to be um, buying a mount is paying attention um, to what exactly you want to do. I've had a lot of people get a C8 or a nine and a quarter and they're imaging with a reducer and they're putting it on an EQ6R and they're like, I'm having issues getting pinpoint stars. Well, that's because you're really maxing out that gear's capacity to handle the longer focal lengths. It's not so much that the mount can't do it. It's just if you really want something that is going to handle and complement your longer focal lengths, you should be looking at the next step up. And that's where you don't want to just be looking at the payload. Um capacity of it so but that's if you're doing longer focal lengths and it can be it doesn't mean that for everyone i've seen people do it it's just if that's what you're looking into it's something to think about um so but don't just consider the weight when you are looking into these levels of mounts so Anyway, to wrap all this up, the nice thing about the AZ EQ5 and the AZ EQ6 is they're very convenient mounts that you can actually grow into. If you're looking to get into this and you want to make the investment of one mount, maybe you have astrophotography in mind down the road, something like an AZ EQ5 or an AZ EQ6 can set you up really well rather than just going with like a fork mounted Schmidt Cassegrain or a Dobsonian. You can invest into the mount. You can do real basic visual work. And then you have an equatorial system to grow into in one mount. You're not just sitting there being like, well, now I have to start all over again. Um, and so this gives you that platform. Now, I have seen people image in Altaz mode as well if you want the convenience. Um, fast optical systems like a Hyperstar, that's easy to just pop on there and you're ready to go. Um, now, I have seen uh, like Prima Lucha Labs has 
a rotator system and they have been imaging more effectively in alt as mode um, I have not messed with that you do need a field derotator and it just adds extra equipment so it is doable to image in alt as mode but you are gonna have to spend the money on some extra equipment to do that and that's kind of up to you if that's going to be convenient for you or not um, I can't make that decision but the nice thing about imaging in alt as mode if you have a uh, derotator is you don't have any uh, meridian flips to deal with um, but you know it's always a compromise you're always trading off for something out there um, but it is doable to image in alt as mode but you are going to have to make the investment of that field rotator um, from pegasus astro or prima lucha labs or whoever makes them and they can be kind of expensive at times let's see so that pretty much wraps up this episode if you have any questions now is the time to do it i know there is some stuff in there but uh that covers the azeq series uh next week we're going to be talking about solar eclipse photography getting ready for the 2023 and 2024 eclipses so we'll be talking about that which would be kind of cool um but yeah that's pretty much what's going on uh right now um let's see some of the questions that were floating around in here are well we did just talk can you please describe how field rotation can still be um, avoided in alt as mode we kind of just went over that you're going to need a field derotator um, and the software to actually handle that so uh, prima lucha labs i think pegasus astro um, optech they all have field derotators if you want to go down that road but you could avoid the additional expense of needing that if you just flip them out to equatorial mode um, and then you don't have to deal with that um next question does the secondary saddle have micro adjustments for aligning the two tubes in a way they do um there is up down but there's no left right control on that um, but they do have little micro adjustment thumb screws on there that you can help roughly align the tubes together if you're doing the dual alt as setup there uh az eq5 work with my evo 8 with star sense and revolution imager on board probably um you can get the star sense for skywatcher from celestron um and it can actually do all the alignment for you at that point it pretty much becomes a celestron uh guided mount it's just the the, the hardware of skywatcher but the brain it basically becomes celestron um there are people who have done that um you could do that as well um an evo 8 photographically um might be asking a lot from an az eq5 uh, visually it would be fine if you're using a hyperstar you're doing like electronically assisted astronomy or eaa you'd probably be okay with an az eq5 um, if you're trying to do more serious imaging i'd probably say an az eq6 would be more ideal so uh will skywatcher make giant binoculars 100 millimeter interchangeable eyepieces i don't know uh we've kind of played with the idea as a joke but we've never actually done it um obviously we make the refractor optics to where we could do it um binoculars are really tough it's kind of a niche uh crowd for that and we're really in the market of trying to find what's going to sell broadly um but it's just not something we've ever really looked into doing it's not a bad idea it's just um there's already a handful of options out there 
Um, and I don't know how well the large binoculars actually sell because they do get kind of pricey. So they're kind of for a niche crowd when we're already in a niche. So, um, yeah. So there you go. Um, let's see. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we don't have a mount currently uh, that sits between the EQ6 and the EQ8 yet. Um, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Um, keep your eyes out. Um, but um, it would be nice if we had something in between there. But yeah, honestly, for those who are looking to get a very serious mount, the EQ8 is a very large piece of kit and it's expensive. The EQ6 series of mounts are nice, but they really aren't large enough to handle some of the bigger, longer focal length some, some Something like an EQ7 in between those two would be ideal. Um, I think the perfect mount right now for imaging at the moment is going to be somewhere in that 75 pound payload capacity uh, region. So right now you have like Ioptron's got some good ones. The Los Mondi G11 has been kind of my staple of that uh, area for a long time. Um, but yeah, something in between would be a nice fit. And I think more people should actually, if you're looking for a serious mount, you want something that's going to be in that 60 to 70 pound payload capacity. I know the EQ6Rs are very, very popular. They do a lot of really good stuff. They're still mobile. But you're just a little bit light for a lot of the larger stuff at that point. So having something a little bit bigger um, would be nice. Uh, when will these be available again? Um, I'm, I don't have that spreadsheet in front of me. You have to check with your dealer, but we have a bunch of stuff on the way right now. Have Skywatch considered making encoder mounts in smaller series as well? Uh, we kind of have. Um, we have the AZ GTI, which has the same features, but we don't have anything between like an AZ EQ5 and an AZ GTI. I don't know that there's a lot of room in between there. Um, the GTI is about 11 pounds, and then you're talking about 30 pounds. We could probably squeeze something in between the five and an AZ GTI. We'll see, um, but maybe not a bad idea. Would you guys consider making a collapsible tripod dolly system? Mine is plywood. Um, dollies are kind of difficult because, again, they're kind of a specialized thing. Some people really like them. Some people don't. Uh, JMI usually sells them. I don't know how they do. Um, they're kind of big and awkward to deal with. So for us it's probably not a major market we would want to go down um but there are there are dollies you can go get um on the market and the other thing is you'd have to make probably some universal dollies to handle the wider range and weight capacities so um something to think about uh let's see is skywatch going to be computer imaging only telescopes um I'm not sure exactly what you're going for there, but um, no, we don't just focus on the computer um, go-to stuff. You know, we do try to spread it out amongst the visual side as well, visual, manual, as well as the imaging and the electronic crowd. Uh, 
to be really direct and really honest about it, the reason why you see so much support for go-to systems and imaging is that's where the money is at. Um, that's where people are making some serious investments in their hobby is with astrophotography. Um, you know, there's always a new camera. There's always new filters. There's always a more precise or bigger or different mount. Um, people are willing to dump the money into their astrophotography rig a lot more. And as a company that sells telescopes, like you kind of have to go where, where the interest is. So, you know, I, I know people probably frown upon it. It's like, oh, you're making money off of astronomy. We're a company and we have people that work for us and this is how we make our living so yeah we have to charge for that but if you're going to do that effectively you have to go where the market demand is and currently the big demand is in astrophotography that's where the money is coming in from majority and that's why you have a lot of these companies like coming out like ascar and stuff like that where they have these small refractors and they're really geared towards astrophotography so it's not that our stuff isn't there for visual. I'm a visual guy. Like I love doing visual, but the cold hard reality is astrophotography is where most companies are making their money off of right now because that's what's hot. Um, so we probably will have more stuff for visual in the future. It's just it's not as big of a channel as the imaging crowd is. Um, Someone's saying we should remake the 20-inch reflectors. Quite honestly, they just don't sell well. Um, and eight, the 18 and the 20-inch telescopes that we had, they're big. Um, they're expensive. They're difficult to ship. They're difficult to support if something goes wrong. Um, they're just not there. And, you know, we see it every day what people are calling in and asking us for. There really isn't enough demand for us to keep those going. Um, and honestly, if you want something in that category, new moon telescopes, teeter, obsession, there is plenty of good options to go get a very nice large aperture Dobsonian uh, for you. But we've tried it. And I can tell you from experience and from our numbers that it doesn't make sense for us to keep going with the 18 and the 20. Uh, right now I I know there's a lot of people that talk to us that's like oh if you just made this or if you just uh, produce this you do so well it doesn't work like that honestly it doesn't we've had people show up at uh, like NEF and trade shows that say oh if you just made this people would do it we've done it before and it doesn't work a lot of the times because just because you and maybe a handful of your friends and a small crowd are interested in that doesn't mean that's going to work for us as a company and at the end of the day we're here to actually make money and make a living for ourselves while also making really good products but we also have to um we have to follow what makes sense for us as well as a business and i'm telling you from what we've seen the 18 and 20 inch dobsonians don't make sense for us at this point they're big they're heavy they're expensive and it makes more sense to pursue other avenues. So just giving you some insight there. All right. Um, well, 
I think that's pretty much it. I don't see any other questions here, uh, but hopefully that was a really helpful episode. Maybe you got some cool information out of it. Um, that's pretty much it for this week on the What's Up webcast. Uh, thanks for watching. If you like what you see here, please go ahead and subscribe, leave a like. And uh, yeah, it was fun hanging out with you guys. Please have a safe weekend. Uh, clear skies and we'll see you next Friday for another What's Up webcast where we're talking about uh, photography of eclipses. So see you guys later. Have a good weekend and we'll talk to you later. Take care.